Hello there, CNA correspondent listeners. Steve Lai here, and I hope this podcast finds you well as the end of the year approaches. This is just a quick audio note to say that all our podcast teams will be taking a well-deserved season break for the month of December. So we thought we'd give you the opportunity to catch up with some of our top-performing episodes that you might have missed. First up is this episode about Anwar Ibrahim and his long and winding road to becoming Malaysia's Prime Minister. You'll hear from CNA correspondent Melissa Goh and Afifa Arifin as we discussed his turbulent past and uncertain future. And on a personal note, it is with a great sense of gratitude that my time at CNA has come to an end. I'd like to thank you for placing your trust in me over the last 11-plus years across all of CNA's platforms, especially here on CNA Correspondent. Take care, and all the best for 2024. You're listening to a CNA podcast. Hello and welcome to CNA Correspondent. I'm Steve Lai, and in this episode, we're going to take you behind the scenes of an interview we had with Malaysia's Prime Minister, Anwar Ibrahim. Hello, good morning. Those familiar voices you hear welcoming the Prime Minister belong to our Malaysia correspondents, Melissa Goh and Afifa Arifin, who had a rare two-on-one interview with Mr. Anwar while he was in Singapore for the recent Milken Institute Asia Summit. They covered a range of topics, including trust in the government, the economic challenges faced and policies intended to address them, as well as the rise of Malay nationalist parties and the growing economic and political divide in the country. Now, I should say up front that this interview with Mr. Anwar has already aired on CNA, and it is available on CNA.Asia and our mobile app, as well as MeWatch as well. So though we'll touch on some of the themes discussed, we'll spend quite a bit of time giving you, our listeners, a behind-the-scenes look into how interviews like this work and get our correspondents' insight into a man that has been a feature in Malaysian politics for over four decades. Melan Afifa, thank you for joining me today. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us again. Okay, who wants to go first? How did this interview happen? Getting FaceTime with a head of government doesn't happen every day. Afifa, why don't you go first? We both were told about the same time that our request was accepted. Yeah. PM Anwar is he's a very accessible, approachable politician. The media has always been able to doorstop him at any event. So technically getting FaceTime with him in Malaysia happens every day. But getting him to sit down with us for a period of time now, I think that was a challenge. It took a lot of coordination and planning. I know Mel has been trying to chase him since he was appointed as a prime minister last year. So that's about nine months of us consistently chasing him down, chasing his team members down. So a lot of persistence was needed. And blocking out a time slot with Anwar himself was going to be difficult because this is someone who in a day could be in two, three places, or not even just places, sometimes different states or two, three countries even. So we were, we're just glad to be able to catch him and lock him down for about, what, 30 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good to listen to the interview. And Mel, you've witnessed Mr. Anwar's political journey for over two decades now, from his prison sentence to his time as opposition leader and now prime minister. Could you share with us, from a correspondent's point of view, how he has evolved over the years? Well, I first covered him when he was finance minister, deputy prime minister to Dr. Mahathir Mohamed. That's before all the fallouts began. Back then, he was also super media friendly, articulate, always willing to speak to reporters. He loved bathing in the media limelight. And I guess that hasn't changed about him. Even now as prime minister, he's always willing to spare a few minutes with reporters covering him on the ground, despite, like I said, 
his busy schedule. But scoring an interview, that's a different thing altogether. But he's still him, essentially. Approachable, people-friendly, articulate, flamboyant even at times. Very charismatic. And I would say he stands tall among regional leaders. And Afifa, you trailed Mr Anwar on his nationwide campaign tours during uh, the elections. So you've seen him in various settings now. What went through your mind when he arrived for the interview? I think one of the first things I noticed about him that that particular morning was that he wasn't as energetic as usual. And maybe it's because of his packed schedule. We know he landed in Singapore at 10.30 a.m. And then from the airport, it was straight to the interview to sit down with us. And then right after our interview, he had to go for a panel at the Milken Institute session. So perhaps that was it. That was why he wasn't as energetic as he usually was. The Prime Minister was also in the room with two correspondents grilling him. He came with his entourage, which includes ministers, Foreign Minister Zamri, as well as Trade Industry Minister Zafrul. So the Prime Minister was essentially just alone with us in the room. The rest of his entourage, we locked them up in, in the bedroom of the suite. And it was so funny <laughs> because the Prime Minister's photographer actually took some photos and it was the two ministers sitting so cozily together on the bed. And then there were other pictures of them trying to press their ears against the doors to, to listen into the interview. But I did notice that he wasn't as energetic. But as the interview continued, he got better. He got more vibrant and his usual Anwar self came out. Okay, so it was a hotel room, was it? So you had like the sort of office kind of area, then you had the bedroom area and it was all partitioned off. Yeah, so it was a suite and the living room area was converted into the interview area. So everyone else was chucked into the room. <laughs> I can just imagine all these very senior high-ranking officials all crammed together. Quite a sight. Mel, both of you have flown into Singapore, in fact, for this interview with Mr. Anwar. It's not often we get two correspondents putting questions to one prime minister. Could you shed some light on the thought process behind the, the questions that you posed to him? And, and how did you and Afifa go about deciding who asked what? We knew it's going to be tight because we're promised half an hour, but with a back-to-back engagement and all. So we first split to three main areas, focusing on economic challenges. Afifa was asking him about response towards his Madani economic narrative so far, and I was pressing him on the lofty targets as well under the new industrial master plan and the energy transition roadmap that he has announced to propel Malaysia to become a high-income nation and so on, whether he has the resolve to see it through and push through through the uh, tough economic reforms to rationalize subsidies, for example, and lift the people's wages. Now, for all these things to go through, right, political stability is crucial. So Afifa then asked him about whether he's distracted by the challenges on the political front with opposition playing the race and religion card. Perikatan Nacional has gained ground in the six state elections. It's for all to see, making inroads even in the Pakatan Harapan stronghold states like Penang and Selangor and Mr. Anwar. He appeared to be encouraged by the most recent series of uh, by-elections in Johor. So he maintained that he has strong majority in parliament, adding that the people shouldn't be fixated with his two-thirds majority. It's not important. He still has 147 MP support, and that's two-thirds is 148. So he has a strong government. The last five, ten minutes, Apipa and I were just decided to get him to talk about ASEAN, how Malaysia navigates the tricky waters amid the intense rivalry between US and China. Yeah, so much ground to cover from the different topics that are relevant to Malaysians and also of interest to the region as well. That leads us nicely to the issues then that Malaysia is facing and how Mr. Anwar is looking into addressing them. And we'll get to them in part two. And our listeners, you'll also get to hear what happened to Melanie Fifa as soon as Mr. Anwar and his entourage left the room. 
everyone, my name is Crispina. And I'm Adrian. And we're the hosts of a podcast called Work It. If you've never heard of it, well, it's a good time to tap in. In the last 20 episodes, we've discussed topics like how to negotiate for a salary increase. Or how to get along with younger colleagues who have different values from you. Which, incidentally, is our top performing episode. If work consumes your life and you want some perspective on issues like management, stress, even office romance, then this podcast should be on your list. A new episode drops every Monday. Catch us on the CNA app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're back with CNA Correspondent, and for this companion pod to our latest TV episode where Melissa Goh and Afifa Arafin sat down with Malaysia's Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim. Mr Anwar is the fifth Prime Minister in five years, and after years of political scandals and upheaval, he's well aware that trust in Malaysia's leadership won't come overnight. It will take time because the, the cynicism is due to the failure of political leaders in the past to prove that leadership must be accountable and, and corruption cannot be deemed to be a system, uh, a culture and systemic, which is the case in Malaysia. So it will take time. Afifa, Mr. Anwar says it will take time. He's been in charge for nine, ten months now. Does he still have time? Is he winning over the electorate in terms of trust in its leaders? Well, he needs to address the trust deficit of this Madani government and there's a long way to go. And I think the Prime Minister himself understands that. But whether he has the time and whether he can stay on course, stay focused on the policies and the reforms without getting distracted by domestic politics is, of course, another thing altogether. In our interview, he was talking about how he has refrained from making political comments or he has been very cool to the barrage of attacks from the opposition. But then just last week, we saw how there was an uproar in parliament and the opposition left the House in retaliation to the PM's accusation or his statement to Putrajaya MP Razi Jidin saying that he and the then ruling administration knew exactly what they were doing in terms of running a, a dirty, corrupt system. So again, they couldn't get past certain things in parliament, whether it was to talk about policies or serious issues like Zahid Hamidi's DNAA. So he will be constantly distracted as long as there's uh, threats from the opposition, as long as he plays into their hands. So a lot more has to be done and hopefully he has a time to get things done. Yeah, he certainly has a lot of uh, critics and there's no end of people taking pot shots up him from the opposition. Mel, he's been getting flack, as uh, FIFA mentioned, for those dropped charges of UMNO chief Ahmad Zahid Hamidi and being called a hypocrite for his partnership with UMNO. And as FIFA said, he got quite animated in Parliament. Yes, during the uh, midterm review, he was wrapping up his speech in Parliament. Mr. Anwar was annoyed and lost his cool because the opposition MPs, they were bent on calling him a liar and they're really not in the mood to listen to his explanation about the DNAA. Now, he knows it doesn't matter what he said, what he explained. Many already made up their mind. Zahid was charges were dropped, all 47 corruption charges, although not amounting to acquittal, which means that he can be charged again. But people generally believe that there's a deal that he has cut with Zahid in turn for Amno support. Otherwise, his unity government uh, may fall and he will lose power. But Mr. Anwar insisted that he, there's no such deal, no conditions set. He wasn't afraid, he said. 
He's been through so much. He's gone to jail. He's not going to be faced by all these. But indeed, Anwar has been through a lot. I waited for 25 years you know, for today. The best thing that he can do, a lot of analysts are saying, is to quicken the footsteps for institutional reforms, at least split the attorney general's role, and to institute confidence, grow the economy. Ultimately, action speaks louder than words. And nine months, a long time, people want to see concrete results. They want quick wins. Yeah, they do. And one of the things they want to see is movement in the economy. Afifa, let's talk about that as well as some of the other charges ahead for him. Uh, where is his focus? And perhaps the economy is the best place to start. Well, his first big political test, the, the state elections that's done, and as we know, resulted in status quo. So he can move on for that. Throughout the year, we've seen how the Madani government has been trying to focus in, on the economy, putting in very big, ambitious plans. Even the PM himself agrees that these are very ambitious plans, from the industrial master plan to the energy transition roadmap, and then revising the 12 Malaysia plan, which is a five-year plan for the country. So it does seem that the government's attention has been on these areas to really build up the economy. But the challenge is to relay the message to the people. What exactly is the Madani government doing for them? And, and how will all these big plans bring about benefits for, for the people? The messages and the narratives need to reach the ground, and there's a sort of disconnect between what the government is trying to achieve and what the people on the ground are hearing. In October, he will be tabling the budget. I think this will be the first full budget under the Madani government. Key focus, they've said, has will be on SMEs, will be on the middle class. The reintroduction of GST, they say it's quite unlikely. It's supposed to be on hold. But there could also be other unpopular measures, which includes proposed targeted subsidies of petrol. So we'll see what he tables in parliament when he's reading out his budget. The economy will be front of mind for most Malaysians, but Mr. Anwar is also facing other challenges too. One of them would be the rise of Malay Nationalist Party politics that he sees as a distraction to bigger issues. That's concerning because um, you use the race and religious card and you ignore issues of governance, of corruption, of economic policies. Will it last? No. Proven by the by-elections in Johor, and I believe given the opportunity for us to disseminate the correct information and focus on the economy, on governance, it would help immensely. Mel, Mr. Anwar wants to focus on the economy and good governance, but is he underplaying the role of race politics in Malaysia here? The recent state elections showed that the sands under his feet have shifted, with Malay voters heading to the opposition Perikatan Nasional Coalition, and in particular the Islamic Party Pass. The best thing I think Mr. Anwar can do is to focus on addressing the people's bread and butter issues. Observers are saying that he may have no choice but to pander to the right with the opposition playing out on race and religion card and so on. Now, the Bahang by-election, there's one coming up next month, I think on the October 7th, and that result will be scrutinised to see how voter sentiments in the Malay heartland towards him. Now, Anwar will continue to face pressures so long Zahid the UMNO president is by his side as his number two. Now, analysts and including civil rights activists are saying that his reform pledges, his call to rid corruption, to clean up the government, instill integrity is going to ring hollow somewhat. Basically, the Pakatan Harapan that he leads has lost the moral high ground against the opposition. So these are things that he has to calculate as he heads towards the next general election. Of course, it's not due to four years, so he's got plenty of time. But time flies, as we know, right? So he really has to get concrete results, start to work on it as soon as possible. 
Yeah, five prime ministers in five years. We also know that anything can happen when it comes to Malaysian politics. A reminder to our listeners, that full interview is out and available now with Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim and our two correspondents, Melissa and Afifa. What's the one thing you want our listeners to take away from it, Afifa? I think we want our listeners to hear directly from the Prime Minister about how big of a challenge he's facing. One of the key things he's talking to us and a message that he constantly reiterates is that he needs time. Whether it is to implement institutional reforms and to implement big economic plans or to build trust with the people. And I think that's a key message that he was trying to say. After the interview, these are the anecdotes. He said it himself, it was harder than he thought. Coming to power, yes, he's prepared himself, 25 years wait, he has prepared himself for these days, but it was a lot harder than he thought. It was the challenges, having to ensure his unity government stays together is one. At the same time, the global environment is so volatile and he will have a lot of challenges and he needs a buy-in of the people and the civil servant support. And from the state elections results shown, majority of the civil servants, despite all the cajoling that, you know, it cannot be business as usual, they are not with him. He still has facing an uphill task with his own civil workforce. So he will have to improve on the delivery system and convince the people that he has what it takes to deliver in the next three, four years to elevate the country, to escape the middle income trap and move it to a high income nation grow the economic pie and share it with everyone so no one is left behind. So these are the challenges that he can't do it alone. He needs the entire, as a whole society approach to rally behind him. And, and that is his challenge. And he needs to show quick gains, the uh, results now, that prices are coming down, that people have more to spend. There's a bit of feel good about his administration. It's one year is coming up, so he desperately needs to show results. All right. And is there anything that didn't make it to the final cut of the show, of the episode, that you wished it did? I think I just wish we we had more time with him. We had a strict 30 minutes, I think slightly less than that. And after the introductions and the welcome and miking him up, we had much less time. I just wish we had more time to grill him, actually. But we have we see him all the time here. We see Prime Minister Anwar all the time. And he's always willing to stop and talk to us. And that's why he is so approachable. There's no urgency for us to actually grab him and sit down for an interview because we can always see him out there. (laughs) I teased this earlier. We all know that interviews don't always go to plan and this one had its moments too. Uh, Listen to this clip I found of our boss Craig Dale as he lists them out just after Mr. Anwar left the room. Doorbell. I'm so wow. sorry. Who's mine. Oh. I switched it off. Afifa, anything to say? <laughs> you guys really dug behind the scenes. <laughs> I broke the most basic rule of recording, which was to turn off your phone. I was so careful. I switched it to airplane mode. I put it on silent mode. But I, I didn't know this. And I just found out that your alarm will still ring, even if it's on those settings. And I think someone made a comment about how... Clearly, Afifa is not a morning person if her alarm is ringing at 12 noon. Luckily, it happened when I think Anwar was answering. It was Mel's question. And luckily, Anwar didn't react to it as well. So I quickly scrambled. I turned off my phone. Of course, the crew, the cameraman and the soundman were just glaring at me. Our producer, Pam, as well. But luckily, we were also able to edit it out when we were producing the episode. So, so that was good. Lesson learned. <laughs> Yeah, and, I, I, and I'm just glad I caught it. This is the detail that I pay attention to putting these <laughs> things together. I was watching every frame of that interview and every frame of the bits before and after. Any final thoughts sir, from either of you? 
No, I think we were glad to have the time with him and we hope that everyone would watch our CNA correspondent episode. We took, it was quite a rush to turn it around. It was done in, in two days immediately after the interviews. It was like Mel and I were traveling from KL to Singapore and then in the morning did the interview, did the live crosses throughout the day and then we produced the episode the next day. It was quite an intense 48 hours. So we hope everyone watches it. I re- remember we had an uncle and an auntie on the same flight with us. You know what he asked you? I said, hey, no news are in Malaysia. Both of you in the same plane going back. He said, no news are. No news. I said, no news is good news. You know, said, no news in Malaysia. And they were so candid because they saw both of us in the same plane going back to Singapore. Yeah. That is brilliant. Mal, thanks, Afifa. All right. Thank you so much, Steve. Now, there's nothing we journalists love more than being able to put questions to newsmakers so that you can be informed. Melinda FIFA did a great job of engaging Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim in a whole range of issues, and I encourage you to watch the TV version of CNA Correspondent for the full interview. You can watch it whenever and wherever you like on cna.asia. Do like and subscribe to this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes with our correspondents. It's available on our website and mobile app as well as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening. Our podcast team is made up of Sai Wint, Crispina Robert, Clara Ong, and me, Steve Lai.